Well, it's so good to be here this morning. You know, we're beginning a new sermon series this week, and this new sermon series will take us all the way up to Easter, which actually comes fairly early this, this year. Easter is on March 27th. And as we prepare for Easter, I encourage you to join us in our, our 40-day fast, and you have this in your bulletin. And again, this is something we do as well every year as we lead up to Easter as we, in the, in the, on the Christian calendar, it's the Lenten season. It's a time when we reflect, when we think about the sacrifice of Jesus and the suffering that he went through on the cross and on the road to the cross. And so what we do is in, in an exercise of, um, exercise of self-denial, perhaps, we give up something during this time. Uh, and it could be something very practical, very simple. Some people are giving up drinking Coca-Cola or, or maybe uh, getting on social media or Facebook or, or another habit or whatever it may be, another activity, going out to eat or whatever it may be, we encourage you to do something this year. And the intent is not just to do something, but during those times when you think about perhaps what you're fasting from or what you're missing, that you can think for a moment and focus on what Jesus did on the cross, on his suffering, on his sacrifice. And even though we may suffer just a little bit by giving up desserts or chocolate or whatever it may be, uh, that's just a really tiny bit of what the suffering that Jesus went through. So it helps us to put, put us in the right frame of mind as we approach the Easter holiday. So I encourage you to, uh, to think about it, pray about it, talk to your family and friends, and maybe uh, uh, do it together. But I encourage you to do that. Join us in our 40-day fast. Well, our new series is entitled, The Seven Last Words of Christ. And each week, we're going to take a a closer look at each of these phrases that Jesus spoke as he hung on the cross. As he hung on the cross and as he was dying, he uttered these seven last statements, his seven last words. And and I'm put it up on the screen here. You can see what those words were. Can we get it up here on the screen? There you go. Can you imagine Jesus suffering and dying on the cross and bleeding to death and suffocating to death? And he utters his, what we call, famous last words. And there were seven statements that he made. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking a little bit closer at each of these statements, at his last words. And I remember my father. My father passed away when I was just 18 years old. And I was heading back to college for my second semester, and I went to visit my father. He had, he had suffered a slight heart attack right after Christmas. And so he was in the hospital, and he was recuperating, and the recuperation was going very well. And as I was leaving the room that day, I still remember it very vividly. I said, Dad, are you going to be okay? And he said, don't worry, son. I'm in good hands. Those were the last words I heard my father say. You see, later that evening, he had a massive heart attack, and he died. Now, that was 40 years ago, and I still remember those last words that he spoke. He said, don't worry, son, I'm in good hands. And as we think about Jesus, as Jesus hung on the cross near death, his bloody hands and feet pierced by nails, 
as the crowds were mocking him, as, as his loved ones abandoned him, as Roman soldiers spat on him and beat him, as people were gambling for his clothes. What did Jesus say? Luke, the gospel writer, wrote in Luke 23, verse 34, and that's the verse we're focusing on this morning. This is what Jesus said. In the midst of his agony, of his suffering, Jesus said, Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The first words out of Jesus' mouth is a prayer. His prayer is very brief. His prayer is very specific. He prays for his murderers that God would forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Now, there are many lessons we can learn from this, but none is more important than this lesson. And this lesson is that no one, no one is beyond the reach of God's grace. Can you say amen to that? No one is beyond the reach of God's grace. And I suppose most of us would agree with that statement. In theory, if we have any concept of God's grace at all, we understand that his grace extends to the worst of sinners. But that concept becomes very difficult when it begins to affect us personally. When we actually have to forgive those who've sinned greatly against us. Exactly what does it mean to forgive the unforgivable? That's a problem posed by Jesus' first words from the cross. It's hard enough to fully understand what he meant, but it's even harder to know what those words should mean for us. And yet we know, if we know anything about God, we know that he is a forgiving God. Exodus 34 says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving Wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Abounding. Think about that word abounding. Other Bible translations uses the word abundant or rich to describe the extent of God's forgiving love. It's the idea of love that is both deep and wide. His love goes to the very depths of our sin and it covers the full extent of our sin. God forgives. Why? Because that's the kind of God he is. Can you say amen to that? There's another way to say it. God forgives people that we wouldn't forgive if we were God. Think about that. God forgives people that we wouldn't forgive if we were God. And he saves people who we would probably condemn to hell. Now we know that his ways are not our ways. And no place can we see this more clearly than in his willingness to forgive even the worst of sinners. So that leads me to a question that many of us wrestle with every day. How do you forgive the unforgivable? How do you forgive someone who who has done something to you so terrible that it defies any attempts at human forgiveness? 
I don't know if you can picture anybody right now. Maybe you can. Maybe you don't want to think about that person. But whenever you think of that person, or whenever you see them, or whenever you encounter them, maybe feelings of anger or hatred or bitterness or resentment comes up. I don't know if there's anybody like that in your life. But you know, we live in a broken world. You're going to be wronged. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be sinned against. And some of you, in fact, some of us, include myself, some of us have been wounded. And the wounds run very deep. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Well, Jesus offers us the answer. He calls us to forgive. He calls us to forgive. Not vengeance. Not retaliation. Not retribution. Not getting even. Not even ignoring it. A lot of us do that. We just kind of ignore it. Hopefully that it goes away. But it doesn't. He calls us to what? To forgive. To forgive. It sounds so simple, yet it's so hard to do. The writer C.S. Lewis said, Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have, until they have something to forgive. So this morning, let's go a little bit deeper to understand how we can forgive the unforgivable. And if we do that, we need to give up something. We need to give up something. This is what we need to give up. We must give up trying to force people to understand how much they hurt us. Think about that. We must give up trying to force people to understand how much they hurt us. You know, this may be the greatest barrier to forgiveness. Many people who have been deeply hurt say something like this. I would be willing to forgive if only I thought they knew how badly they hurt me. Any of you say that? Any of you ever think that? Yeah, I I would forgive if only I thought they knew how badly they hurt me. But this is an impossible standard. And as long as you hold on to it, you will never forgive. And you will always have an excuse to live in bitterness for years. You see, you can always blame it on on those people. If only they would come to their senses, but they won't. If only they would see the light, but they don't. If only they would understand how many nights you stayed awake because bad memories wouldn't let you go to sleep. If only they knew about the thousands of tears you shed. You would forgive You would forget if they only knew, if they only understood, if they had some clue about what they did and how much hurt they caused. If you're going to truly forgive, you must give up that notion. You must give up that notion. You need to let it go. And until you do, forgiveness will remain a distant dream. And you will still be chained to the past. You cannot be set free unless you, unless you release them from the burden of understanding all that they did to you. It's not an easy thing to swallow, is it? I have here a bag. It looks like any simple bag. 
Major Debbie spoke a few weeks ago about our exercise group. This is one of our exercises. This bag is filled with chains. Chains are very, very heavy. So one of our exercises is to hold the bag here. It's probably 30, 40 pounds. And then we have to walk a distance. With straight back, the strong grip, a lot longer distance than this, and walk back. And it gets tiring after a while. It's not an easy bag to hold up. It's heavy. And the goal of the exercise is to get to the finish line so that you can release the bag and let go. And the weight's not, not on you anymore. Sort of what like, that's sort of what it's like with forgiveness. If we're not willing to let go, let go of the thought that people need to understand me before I forgive them. To let go of that thought or that notion. Because chances are, people will never really know what you're going through. But nevertheless, God says, forgive. Let me tell you a simple truth about those that hurt you. You may not agree with me, but that's okay. Here's a simple truth about those that hurt you. They don't know what they did to you. They don't know what they did to you. Now you may be saying, hey, wait a minute. Hold on a second, Major. You don't understand. They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew what they were doing before they were even doing it. They knew they were going to hurt me, and they went ahead and did it anyway. When she told that lie, she knew what she was doing. When he double-crossed me, he knew what he was doing. When he stepped out on me, He knew what he was doing. When he broke the marriage vows, he knew what he was doing. She knew what she was doing. They knew exactly what they were doing. Major, how can you even bring up that subject? They knew they would hurt me and they did it on purpose. How can you say they didn't know what they were doing? I want you to think about these words. Again, from Luke. Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. Underline the word what because that's the key word to the first saying of Jesus Christ from the cross. The key is not the fact that they do not know. The key is what? They do not know what they are doing. They know that they are killing a man named Jesus, but they don't know who he really is. They don't understand his true identity. They're guilty of killing a man, but they are guilty of much worse than they know. They're guilty of killing the very Son of God sent from heaven, and they didn't know it. And when Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, Jesus was really saying, Father, forgive them, because they need forgiveness more than they know. Father, forgive them because they are in desperate need of forgiveness and they don't even know it. You know, sometimes we refuse to forgive. Sometimes we refuse to forgive because we want the other person to feel what we felt when they hurt us so badly. Well, it doesn't work that way. 
You see, if you wait until people truly understand what they did to you, in most cases, you're going to wait forever. Even when they confess and, and seek forgiveness, you may feel that they still don't truly understand what you went through, the hurt and the pain. But withholding forgiveness will not help them. It won't help them to understand. They cannot crawl into your skin and, and feel as you felt. They can never enter into your pain. But if you make your pain the price of forgiveness, you will never, for, you will never forgive because no one else can ever pay that price. So, you don't forgive because they understand what they did. You don't forgive because they have suffered as much as you suffered. You don't forgive because they deserve forgiveness. You don't forgive to gain some personal advantage over them. Rather, you forgive in spite of what they've done. You forgive because of God's grace. You forgive because that's what Jesus did on the cross. And you forgive because that's what Jesus did for you and for me. As Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, would you like to become more and more like Jesus? I hope you do. And so I suggest that you start where Jesus started by forgiving the people who hurt him so deeply. And I don't for a moment mean to suggest that this is easy. You see, to forgive us, it cost Jesus a lot. It cost us his life. And to forgive others will cost us something as well. We will certainly have to give up our anger, turn away from our our bitterness, and, and decide by a conscious choice that we will forgive those who have sinned against us. And very often, and very often, we'll have to perform this act of forgiveness over and over and over again until we learn the grace of continual forgiveness. So this morning... Are you carrying a heavy burden? Are you not willing to let go? There's some things that may have happened in the past. I don't know your life. Maybe things that are happening even right now in the present. We need to ask ourselves, am I in the right relationship with people? Is there something that has come between me and my, my wife or my husband? or my father, or my children, or my co-worker, or my boss, or whoever? Is there unforgiveness in my heart? Am I weighed down by this heavy burden? Jesus says, forgive. Jesus says, come. Lay it at the cross. Be released. Be free. Forgive as I have forgiven you. Let's pray together.
I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I'd like to pray for you. And this morning, if you need forgiveness in your life, God's hallmark is He's a God of grace and He's a God of forgiveness. And if you're far away from God right now, His grace extends even farther than where you are. He loves us with an abundant and an abounding love. And if there's unforgiveness in your heart, perhaps it's because you haven't been forgiven yourself. And so I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you to stand. If you'd like me to pray for you, if there's someone in your life that you need to forgive and you need to let go, just stand. Acknowledge that before the Lord. If you need God's grace in your life, in your heart, before we can extend grace to others, we need to receive His grace. And so if you need to do that, it's between you and God and no one else. My gracious Heavenly Father, I pray that you would go now where my words cannot go. Lord, go deep into the inner recesses of every heart. Show us the truth about ourselves. Forgive us, Father, for not forgiving others. We long for the freedom that comes from letting go of our bitterness. Break the chain, Lord, of those remembered hurts that binds us to the past. Help us, Lord, to give it to you, to release it to you, to bring it to the foot of the cross where you died for our sin. You died even while we were still sinners. You loved us. Lord, you didn't wait for us to come to you. You came to us first. We love because God loved us first. So, Heavenly Father, soften our hearts so that we can hear your voice speaking to us. And, Lord, show us what we must do and give us the courage to do it. Thank you, Father, for your grace. And, Lord, I pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen.